So a few weeks ago, it was actually on September 11th, um, our, our family watched uh, a show or a, a movie that had just been dropped on, on Apple Plus, Apple TV. And uh, it's the musical Come From Away. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, of this musical, um, but it's based on a book that emerged after what happened on September 11th. It's the story of this really small town of Gander, Newfoundland. All right. And Gander, Newfoundland is is kind of locally famous because it has this huge airport. And the reason it has a huge airport is because when planes would fly across um, in either direction, getting ready to fly across the ocean or flying from from Europe back to the to North America, uh, they had to refuel as soon as possible. So Newfoundland is this island right on the edge of the continent. And so it's a small town but they built this giant airport so that the jets could come and refuel and then take off again. All right. But then, so it was a pretty bustling place for a while, but then technology began to, to rise and planes began to be able to make the entire trip to whatever States or cities they needed to get to without that pit stop. And so there was this big airport just kind of left over that was still in use, but the town got smaller and smaller with less needs. And so the town of Gander, Newfoundland is only about 9,000 people. So our small town of Newark here is 30, you know? So, so just compare that, um, that reality to how small of a town we're talking about. And so, so anyways, the story is that in the midst of what happened on 9-11, Gander just woke up like a normal day but all of a sudden, when, it became, when we became aware of what had happened with the terrorist attacks, all the planes that were in the sky were ordered to be grounded immediately. And so this town of 9,000 people in the course of a couple hours got 7,000 plane passengers grounded and landed 38 jumbo jets in their airport, parked, without people even being able to get out at that point. And it tells the story of the next five to seven days in Gander because people were not allowed to fly away. They weren't allowed to leave. And so a town of 9,000 people just became a town of 16,000 people with 7,000 people who had no idea what to do or where they even were with no way out. There is no way outside of flying. Uh, I guess you could take a boat if you found a way to drive like 12 hours to find the ferry and eventually make it to the mainland and then work your way down to the United States. wind is intense. So anyways, um, this town got an influx of people, some of whom uh, were from the United States, some of whom were from England, some were from Africa, some were from the Middle East. And the story, the story that, that it tells is a people of this small kind of sleepy town deciding together that they were going to give whatever they had to create a home for these people. They were going to use whatever assets they had. If they had a kitchen, they were going to cook food. If they had a school, they were going to house children. If they had a shelter or a big barn, they were going to let people sleep there. If they, um, there, were, there were all sorts of different needs. And this town decided in the spur of a moment to say, all right, what we have, we'll use. Um, we will do what we can, all right? And, uh, and in a time of crisis, just like that, it's an incredible, incredible musical. It won, it won some Tony Awards on, on Broadway, and I would encourage you to see it. 
if there's any chance to see this movie film version. Um, but everybody decided that they would use what they had available to work together to care for a broken world and the broken people in it, okay? Some might say the church is, is broken right now. Um, in many ways, I would also. But not broken like a glass vase that shattered on the ground, more broken like an ankle <laughs> that, uh, that needs time to heal and can't bear the weight that it was intended to bear until it gets stronger once again and it gets restored. Um, it needs to heal up, the tendons need to grow, uh, but, but it was intended to bear weight and there's a great possibility of that, that returning. Um, the church's center on Jesus has been lost so much in the past few years slash even decades. Um, it's been lost in marriages to political ideology and power. It's been enmeshed with a nationalism that worships a country and often uses Christian imagery in that, um, that hides the reality that it's not truly about Jesus. Uh, we struggle to acknowledge the ongoing roots of white supremacy uh, within American Christian ideology. Uh, and we spend time arguing about meaningless things while we miss the larger issues of mercy, justice, and faithfulness. At least those are Jesus' words. And within the church itself, we see these deep abuses of power. Um, we see lack of humility. Often we see corporate style leadership that doesn't really reflect what Jesus seemed to intend the church to be. Um, and we see very little often that looks like the humble suffering Jesus that is our Lord and leader in the scriptures who came to bring good news to all. But here's the thing, Jesus, at least, at least if we believe what we're given in the scriptures, Jesus is still alive in the church. Jesus still has a mission for the church. Uh, Jesus can bring redemption in the church, even if there are parts of it and of us that are deeply broken. Uh, broken bones can heal, right? And they can become strong, even stronger than they were before. And that is incredibly, incredibly good news for us because our world is broken also and deeply in need of God's church to show up and to work together to care for them because our communities are in crisis right now too. I think that Jesus made a body of Christ for moments like this, that we are created to see People looking around, completely unsure of how they even got to this point, like all of those grounded in that airport in Gander, and that we can be the people that help them process their confusion, help them learn how valuable and loved they are, and become refreshed and cared for as they continue to go on their journeys. That's why we need to talk about how God made us all to function together. And like I said, Sabrina, when she talked about mutuality last week, uh, brought this subject up, and we're just going to continue it um, this week. We need to understand how each of us is wired. Every single one of you that was chatting as you came in, that signed on to Zoom this morning, that for some reason showed up for this weird thing that we call a church gathering or a celebrate. We call them celebration gatherings because we like to be strange and ask and make people ask why. And so you showed up for this thing. But sometimes we show up for things and we don't even realize what our role might be or, or who we really are or why we're doing these things. And so we want to really talk about it and get to the root of it today um, as we look at a passage from the book of Ephesians. Um, 
we all actually have roles to play and Jesus intended very directly for us to learn what those are and use them well. Uh, we can learn a lot from the letters to the early church uh, that Paul wrote because he didn't just write to the leaders. This is so incredibly important. Sometimes we miss all of this, um, except for books like Timothy or Philemon. Paul was not writing to the leadership of the churches as much as the churches at large and encouraging them to do what they've been called to do. Um, otherwise, we can intend, we can hear things, and anytime that there's some influence or anything like that that we hear about, then we say, oh, that's for the professional leaders. That's for the professional Christians, right? I like that. I like that idea. That's horrible. Horrible. There's no such thing as a professional Christian. There's no such thing as a... My, my life was about to change there. <laughs> Just hold on one second while we fix a very, very important. Great. And we're getting more flowers up in front of us and plants. All right. Hopefully the wind will hold off enough so that the whiteboard doesn't go flying. All right. So, um, so we're going to we're going to take a look at a passage that was intended to be received by everyone. And I want you to remember this, friends. Um, uh, and we're going to do it kind of in an old school way, uh, which means I'm going to look at this thing through what, what those of us in my world call expository preaching, which means that we're just going to work through this passage and we're just going to see what's highlighted and what we can learn from it and just kind of work our way and pick it apart as we go. So, um, all right, let's learn to be like Gander. So we're looking at Ephesians chapter four, the first 16 verses, okay? And, um, and I'm just going to, I'm going to use the, uh, the translation from the New Living uh, translation because it's really readable. And I think it's, it's a helpful kind of understanding of, of the translation of the Greek. All right. So Paul starts. And the first thing that he says, um, he says, therefore, because he's been urging them to kind of be the church in all of its fullness. All right. So anytime he says, therefore, it's about what just happened. But he said, therefore, I, and then he puts in parentheses, a prisoner for the Lord, because Paul loves to remind people of that. And, and I'm not saying that Paul was, was arrogant about it. I'm just saying that Paul was constantly saying, hey, folks, I'm in prison because of all of this. So y'all can like be kind to each other, you know, because I'm locked up, you know. So if you, you know, I know it's a hard sacrifice to forgive somebody that said something mean. But so anyways, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, Paul, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. So the first thing he says is lead a life worthy of your calling, because by the way, you have totally been called by God, not a, not a message to leadership, a message to everybody. Okay. So the first thing he says is essentially, and he's stronger. Um, gotcha. Okay. So the first, the first thing he says is be confident. You have been called by God, all right? You have been called by God. Lead a life worthy of that calling, all right? Thank you. That's great. This one's going to move around a little bit, so now we're good. I'm supposed to keep preaching while okay. I do this. Dude. I can't do that. <laughs> the whole point is it's totally. not weird and awkward. It's totally weird and awkward. It's weirder if I act like you're not there. That's the... <laughs> That's okay. That is the corporate style thing that we're, that we just talked about. We don't do things that way. Oh, thanks Mel. All right. Um, okay. 
So first thing, all right, is lead a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. Y'all need to be confident about the fact that God has called you to do something and to be something. Don't hide behind it, okay? Don't just think that you're one of the crowd. You have been called. But then he follows that up and then says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with another, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So he immediately follows this, this be confident because you have been called by God and then balances it and says, always be humble and gentle. So he, so he immediately says, but hold that confidence with humility. Okay. Hold that confidence with humility because you're not always going to get it right. You have been called by God, but you might mess it up sometimes. You might not represent it. You're calling that well. So, so be humble. Make space for each other. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Then he goes, for there is one body and one spirit. So here he comes back to, the, to this, like, like you are a part of this one thing. For there is one body and one spirit, just, have you, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. All right? So he's saying, hey, work, be confident, hold it with humility, but work together because you've got the same Lord and you've got the same purpose and you have the same kingdom that you've been invited into. But then verse seven starts with, however, he's going back and forth. He wants the pendulum to swing. He wants people to notice this. However, he has given us, meaning Jesus, each of us special gifts through the generosity of Christ. So he says, we have one Lord, we have one faith, we have one, one central idea, but guess what? Each of you is going to express it differently. Each of you is going to have your own unique way of, of living out what it means to have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all. So you've got a special gift from Jesus. It all should be working toward the center of who God has called us to be as a church, but you're going to be unique, right? Be confident. Be confident in your own calling. Be humble that yours isn't the only one and that you might get it wrong sometime. Be all about the fact that you are unified and shared, but also you've each been given different gifts. Do you see what Paul is doing to balance out this, this beauty of, of being called into one thing, but also being your own unique people for good and for challenge? All right. So now we're going to move a little bit quicker through the next part because it's... Um, it's not what we're focusing on today. But however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. That's from the Psalms, which is, again, we won't get into theology here, but Paul takes that Psalm and turns it into something that means completely different than what it was originally meant for, which is just a reminder Okay, just a reminder that so much of the Hebrew tradition involves using the scriptures in light of the current leading of the spirit um, and, and being able to interpret that, uh, trusting that the spirit's guiding you. It doesn't mean just totally playing fast and loose. I would never do some of the things that Paul did, to be honest. But I'll just let you figure out how that might challenge your own way of approaching the Bible sometimes, because <laughs> Paul does some crazy stuff with what he takes in, from the Old Testament. Um, but anyways, uh, notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. 
that's just a moment for us to not pick apart, but just stand back and read so that Jesus might fill the entire universe with himself and just say, whoa, what, what an image of an entire universe that is filled with the love and the spirit and the self-sacrifice of Christ, the redemption of Christ. This is what the body of Christ is, intent, is intended to understand on this big level. Really cool. All right, so it goes back though. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And here comes a train again. So if it gets too loud, I'll pause, but right now we're okay. Um, here's what I want us to think about here. And we're going to talk about what it means, those five areas, apostles, um, evangelists, prophets, pastors, and teachers. We're going to talk about those for the next two weeks. Uh, we're not going to talk about it that much today. We're just going to give the overview. But here's what I want you to understand. We use all of those, those names. First of all, we, we elevate pastor above everything else. Um, which is problematic, but, but we, we use all of those names and we think that those are the leaders of the church, okay? But here's, if you look at it closely, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. And then in verse seven, he says earlier, however, he has given each one of us a special gift. And then he says, these are the gifts, which really challenges us because really what I think Paul is saying, and I'm not alone, is that God has wired each one of us in some way toward one of these five wirings to use them well. And if you're freaked out about the idea that God might have wired you to be an apostle, um, we don't expect you to walk around with like Apostle Melanie as your new title. Um, what it means to let the cat out of the bag is that God might give you a heart and skills to, to have a vision for what might be next and to start to build something toward that. All right. And so all of these different wirings, they they lead us to participate in the life of the church in a really cool, beautiful way. Again, I won't get too far ahead. Evangelists love to be people that share good news. Teachers love to be people who help others understand the beauty of the scripture and God's heart. Prophets tell hard truths and help us never overlook the cause of the poor and injustices around us. Like these are the things that we need for the church to function well, but we'll get into those in the future. Right now we're just talking about this, uh, this overview. So their responsibility of all these people is to equip God's folks to do his work. People, I just put folks in there. I don't wanna misquote the scriptures. And to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So the end goal is to be mature and to measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. But that's not an individual calling. That's a community calling. That's saying that when God's church has all of their people functioning in all of the beautiful ways, according to their calling, that they'll actually reach a point where we as a body start to look like the fullness of Jesus. And this is where the individualization of the church has really, really damaged us. Like, it's not just about you. It's about us. The story of the scriptures is about God having a people and wanting to work through those people. And yes, those people are individuals, but, but we've kind of adopted this hyper-individualistic faith that says that I'm supposed to have everything and be everything for all people. And that's just not the way you're supposed to work. You're not Jesus. 
You're supposed to reflect Jesus in your imperfection. <laughs> You're never going to attain to the fullness of it. But we as a church, the vision actually is to attain to the fullness of Jesus. How crazy is that? How overwhelming is that? We are to continue to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's the possibility that can happen with a faithful community that truly loves Jesus, is truly humble but confident, and works together. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. So he continues, he says, he says then you won't just be tossed around by any, any new ideas or any, anything. Um, you're not going to try to, uh, you won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth, which is really interesting. And often we, we think about like lies so clever they sound like truth as big levels of deceit. But honestly, in the context that we're talking about here, some of the lies that are so clever that they sound like truth are the lies that my gifts are more important than yours, or this is all that matters in the church. All that matters is outreach and evangelism. All that matters is um, activism. All that matters is my internal world with my own soul. And, and these are the things that, that actually sound really like truth because you can ground them in scripture but they miss the fullness of the fullness of the hope of what God wants to do through the church. All right. So instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. So he says, remember that Christ is the head of this whole body. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So the end goal is that Jesus remains the head. Don't forget. And this, all of our gifts, they come from the mind of Jesus. Jesus is brainstorming one day. Says, How do I make Adolfo the best Adolfo he can be? <laughs> and it comes from Jesus, the ways that we're wired, right? And so our job is, is kind of a challenge. And here's what I, we're not going to get super practical today. Uh, today is more, is more about beginning to think in new ways. Um, but how do we move forward with, with a passage like this that seems to point out the fact that Jesus has created us with roles to play that build up the body of Christ, but also that we are intended to know and learn and practice really well. First, we have to do the real work to explore how deeply we might be wired or to explore more deeply how we might be wired. Okay, we have to do the work of saying, not just like self-awareness, but, but actually moving into saying, what are the things that bring me deep life when I do them that I just naturally am drawn to that also line up with the values of God's heart and kingdom? Um, what does it look like for me to express my gifts, to identify them and express them? And, and can I take that seriously? Um, so, uh, if we believe that Jesus is so good that he has given us gifts, like the passage says, that bring us life and bring life to the world around us, then it's worth doing the work to figure it out. Yeah? Um, it's worth saying, what does it look like to actually build up the body and really impact people if I've been given gifts for it? So that's worth discovering. Um, and then second, and, and this, is, this is, I think, equally important, at least at the beginning, we have to do more robust work with understanding the meaning of the church. We really have to do robust work with understanding what does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? Um, 
it has a real purpose and that that purpose is multifaceted. Um, but I think even people who've been around the church their whole life, their whole life, sometimes haven't done the work of saying, what's this about? Like, really? Like, what's the reason? Because I'm supposed to is a horrible reason. Any of you that are parents know that if you tell your kid there's, that they need to do something because, because you're supposed to, it's just, it means you don't know how to express the real reason. <laughs> so it means, it means that you've got some work to do because you might not know or you're too lazy to tell them. And both of those might be problems. And yes, I have defaulted to that response too with my own kids. Um, but, but like, to say what is my role in this body is, is a completely different thing than looking at an organization that needs volunteers and deciding to fill that role. Yes, we need people to tear down these chairs after we're done, but that, that is, it can be linked, but that's not what we're talking about. If we think about using my gifts as like helping out a nonprofit by volunteering hours, we are missing the mysterious mystical beauty of the body of Christ and the way that God wants us to actually impact the whole world. Um, yeah, so, so it's about participating in this mystical expression of God's love. We have, I think we've become domesticated Christians. Um, maybe, maybe too much, but it doesn't take much to get back to the original calling. It just takes a, a, a few shifts and a little time. I always like to, to talk about, I think I mentioned this once, but it was years and years ago, like a pig, if a pig escapes from a farm, it only takes like two generations for it to become a feral hog with tusks. Tusks is tusks, right? Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah. Like, like your basic, your basic farmyard pig is only a couple generations from one of those hogs that they make shows about when the people go out and they hunt that hog. I'm like, it's a pig, man. You shot a pig. Why are you so impressed with yourself? But anyways, um, but the, the point being, sorry, the point being um, that, that there's a wildness that God's people are supposed to, to, um, to live with, a DNA in us that's supposed to be unafraid of actually changing the world and doing radical, radical things for the, for the sake of love. And sometimes we say that we boil down Christianity to like, I guess I'm nice to people and I go to church on Sundays and it's just not what Jesus intended. So we want to get back to that original DNA, the missional DNA that God has created in us and, uh, and really embrace it and, and see what God does with a church like, like ours um, and just in the world because the world is so deeply in need of love and care and compassion and good news. Um, so, yeah. Um, I will say that sometimes we can talk about this. This is the last thing, and then we'll do a couple minutes of Q and A. Um, the often when we talk, I, I believe that the church is intended to be one of the most powerful forces in the world. But whenever we talk about power and the church, we have a problem because there's others that believe that the church should be one of the most powerful forces in the world, but they don't mean it like I'm saying it. Okay, and so what what has happened is um, that the ones who often talk like that, the point of the church gets completely missed. And the ones that get it are the ones that want to use power in the wrong way to control and to commit and to demand things of other people and to be comfortable and powerful in getting what they want to their ends, not to the same ends that Jesus calls us to. And so, uh, so it's important that we differentiate that as we talk about the fact that God has called the church to be a powerful force in the world, not a powerful force for our own benefit, 
but for the sake of the poor, for those who are poor in spirit, longing to see the kingdom, for those that deeply know that they are broken and in need of redemption, to those who are in situations where good news seems impossible. That's our role. That's what following Jesus looks like and to invite them into a reality that is transforms the now and transforms the forever. That's such good news. Uh, so, and this is not just about doing, by the way. Last thing I'll say is part of being the, you know, in the body of Christ is about learning to receive, not just, okay, what's my role, but, but experiencing the beauty of the wholeness of a bunch of people who are different in their wirings, learning together how to express the love of Jesus. There are great benefits to learning how to receive from other people by being a part of the spirit or to be a part of the body of Christ. And so that's part of this, this learning journey is like, oh, wow. You people who are wired in this way, you ask questions that I never ask. I need that. Thank you. That made my faith grow. That made me see things in new perspectives. There's so much goodness there. All right, let's pray. And then I've got a, a simple question for us to, to toss around for a couple minutes. Jesus, we, uh, we want to take this whole thing seriously um, with what it means to receive the gifts that you have given in all of the various ways and use them together as a community to express your fullness. But we don't know what that looks like often. And so we're asking for your clarity. We are asking for your humility. Uh, we are asking for uh, your ability to, uh, or to, to give us the ability to hear from other people about how we are wired and who we are and what we do best and to understand what it might look like to do that for the sake of your kingdom. So just help us in these next couple of weeks as we really take seriously this whole journey of, of what it means to be the church. Uh, I pray that it wouldn't become some organizational thing, but that it would help us understand how to live as your body with you at the head. Amen.